What kind of death comes from sin? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, we get to go back to talking about sin. We we talked about Yay. it for, what, about three or four episodes, then we stepped away from it a little bit, but now we're right back. That's right. And if sin's not heavy enough, we're going to talk about sin and death. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know. Nothing like a joyful topic for us to talk about on a uh, Friday afternoon. <laughs> yes, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, so let's talk about sin and death. It's a nice, beautiful day outside. Yeah, perfect day to talk about sin and death. Well, you know, I mean, we we both came of age in the in the eighties and nineties, so it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go ahead and let, go ahead and read the uh, essential doctrine as always, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. Uh, so. Uh, this is our explanation of sin and death. So the ultimate consequence of sin is death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. God was clear to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that if they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die. The type of death that would result from the fall in the Garden of Eden wasn't only physical death, but spiritual death as well, the separation of a person from God. And spiritual death continues in a permanent state when someone dies apart from the reconciling work of Christ, who defeated death through his own death on the cross and subsequent resurrection. So if we were going to boil that down a little more simply, this is probably how we would say it best, is that because of sin, everyone dies physically and spiritually. Yeah. And and again, it's as we were looking at that doctrine, it, it start, starts in Genesis with God's promise to Adam, and then by extension Eve, that if they disobeyed the one requirement, the one law, if you will, that he gave them at that point, they would die. And what did he mean there? And so I think as we look for this scripture in or this doctrine in the scriptures, Genesis 2, 16 and 17 is a natural place to start. So let me just read that mm -hmm. one from the CSB. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, meaning Adam, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, again, the question is, and Satan comes as a serpent and basically says, God's a liar. He says, no, you won't die. And after Adam ate and Eve ate of the fruit, they physically didn't die right away. Mm -hmm. So we know that it's not just a physical death, but physical death was part of it because they ended up dying later. And we're yes. going to look at a couple other passages affirming God was true. Mm -hmm. But we also know that spiritual death is in store here. The, the nanosecond they ate of the fruit, actually the nanosecond they chose to disobey God when they made an act of the will in defiance and sin, in that nanosecond, they fell into spiritual death mm -hmm. because of their rebellion. So both are in mind here in Genesis 2, 16 and 17 that we see evidenced soon after. Yeah. And and I think just the the whole the whole of Genesis 3 is really helpful to to give us a foundation for this because we even see at the end of Genesis 3, we actually see death take place. Yes. 
because we see that God that it says that God made them coverings made of animal skins. Well, how else how are you going to make a make clothing out of animal skins without killing something? Yeah, and that was important because it's actually death that that hints toward the the plan to save people from death, the sacrifice of another the, to cover your shame. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice that, I mean, technically that was not the first animal sacrifice. The animal sacrifices are instituted much later, of course, but one can argue that is a precursor to animal sacrifices that because of sin, another dies and that death allows the covering of our shame. So that is actually death, the first recorded death that we know of in scripture points toward the solution for death. But you know, jumping ahead, we, we see this evidence in Genesis 4, 5, and 6 as well. Mm-hmm. This is why we have to read the Bible as one story, as, as we are, are prone to remind everybody about. You can't just read Genesis 3, for example, in isolation, stop, and then say, okay, that story's over. I know everything about it. Because in Genesis 4, we see Cain kill his brother Abel. Mm-hmm. That, that's an exclamation mark that sin brought death. Abel dies because of sin. Um, later in that chapter, you read about a man who was bragging uh, because he killed somebody. So, you know, you see the perversity of death already deeply impacting people. Then in je- chapter five, you get a genealogy, which seems kind of our utilitarian at first blush just to advance the narrative. But there's something really important in that to affirm God is true, that when he said death would come, it did. And it helps to read it out loud. So let me just read a couple of verses mm-hmm. and we won't read the whole thing. Yeah. But to catch the, the the cadence is really important. So starting just picking up in verse three of chapter five, Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness, according to his image and named him Seth. Adam lived 800 years after he fathered Seth, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Adam's life lasted 930 years, then he died. Seth was 105 years old when he fathered Enosh. Seth lived 807 years after he fathered Enosh, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Seth's life lasted 912 years, then he died. And it continues, that cadence of uh, somebody being born, living so long, having sons and daughters, living so long, then he died. Mm-hmm. Then he died. Then he died. This cadence, why is it in there? I would argue it's in there because God is saying, I'm true. I told you death would come. Here it is. And again, this is physical death, but also it points to the spiritual death. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I love in this passage as well is there's just this little break in that pattern, too, that... Um, yeah. Uh, in verse 21, it says, it talks about Enoch. And Enoch was 65 when he fathered Methuselah. And after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So right there, you see, he is a complete anomaly. Yes. Um, and then it says, so Enoch's la- life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. So it's fascinating that he is, you see the grace of God, even in the midst of death, 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 right there. Yes. And it's, it's, it's this reminder that even in the midst of um, God saying, see, I told you this was going to happen, but remember, I am good. 
and and Enoch escapes death by an act of God, mm-hmm. not anything he could do. So God intervenes. God provides an answer. God provides another way, hinting at grace. And and again, just to complete this thought, you you roll into Genesis six. What is Genesis six about? God flooding the earth and everybody dying except for one family. Again, grace. Yes. So death and grace, death and hope, are intermixed really tightly here in the first several chapters of Genesis, especially. But it runs its course through scripture. One one other verse just to call our attention mm-hmm. to this doctrine, and we'll talk about any um, cautions. Romans 6.23, perhaps the, the first verse somebody thinks of when they think of sin and death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there even we see judgment of death and hope and grace. And again, this has in mind both physical and spiritual. Yeah. Um, both are true. So let's talk about cautions with understanding this doctrine, Aaron. Mm-hmm. What, what's a caution you can think of that we need to be aware of? Well, I think one of the one of the first big ones is that death does not, especially when we're talking about eternal death, spiritual death, death does not mean that we cease to exist. And so there is a school of thought uh, called annihilationism, which basically means that um, at judgment, those who are apart from Christ are that their souls are destroyed utterly, and so they no longer exist. Um, but Matthew twenty five forty six, the the um, parable of the sheep of the goats, uh, that alone refutes this idea where where Jesus says they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Um, you see other language where it says that. Um, you know the worm. The worm does not die, and the fu- and, you know, and the and the fires continue to burn yeah. continually. The this kind of language, um, when it ref- when there are these pictures of uh, eternal judgment happening. Yeah, and that's what you know. Even in the um, the doctrine we read, it speaks of eternal death, and I don't want anybody confusing that to think of annihilation. That that's just you know because a lot of times we think of death as the end of existence. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, I think, and that takes me to the second caution that death is both physical and spiritual for us to remember that. And, and I think the better way to understand death when it comes to a biblical narrative and, and actually just in general is separation. Mm-hmm. Um, physical death is being separated from the body and spiritual death is being separated from the God, from God. I think if we think about it that way, eternal death, eternal separation from God and anything good because God is the source of all good makes more sense. And that's why that eternal is there because of Matthew 25 and other places. We want to be clear that, you know, sometimes people in evangelism with the best of intentions say, hey, do you want to live forever? If so, trust in Jesus. Yes and no. If you want to live forever in relationship with him, Mm -hmm. then trust. But everybody lives forever. Uh, there's there's a resurrection of unbelievers, just like there's a resurrection of believers that we are awaiting. But unbelievers will be resurrected. And they will be sent to eternal punishment, where they will be conscious and aware for eternity. Again, the absence of a relationship with God and the absence of anything good, as God is the source of all good. And so it will be eternal torment in that way. It is not, annihilationism would actually be more pleasant for us to think about. Yes. Yes. And I think that's why it's so appealing, isn't it? I mean, uh, because the the concept of eternal judgment for eternal sin, 
<laughs> like so, or eternal yeah. offense, uh, rather. Um, that is, that's really difficult for finite beings like us to grasp. And so it seems unfair. And yet it's not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the other caution, and, and I, unless you have any others, I think that would move us toward our last point of discussion. And again, we've, we've hit on this, but just to restate it, um, we have to remember Jesus provides the answer to death, the one and only answer to death. Um, we know, I mean, this is at the heart of the gospel, but just Revelation 21, 4, just to, to read one verse, as we look toward that end times that you and I have been kind of talking about just now, speaking of Jesus, says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. So when Jesus comes, he will provide the answer to death for those of us who have trusted in him. We will no longer be separated from our bodies. We will be uh, resurrected. We have resurrected bodies, these, these new eternal heavenly body, bodies of some form. And we will for, never again be separated from God. We will be actually closer to him than ever. We will sin and, and bears will be no more. And so we'll be in right relationship with him. We will be able to look upon Christ himself. And so separation will come to a definitive end because of what Christ has accomplished. That is our hope. That is what we look forward to. Um, one day, may it be soon. Yeah. So let's um, kind of talk about what difference this doctrine should make. And Aaron, I'll let you take a run at this. Sure. Uh, well, there are a couple that uh, I think uh, are worth talking about for sure. One of those is... Um, is first that it, that this doctrine should lead us to be humble. Um, mm. it, it it gives us perspective on what what our sin actually is and what it actually does. So um, when we sin, when we are choosing to rebel or transgress against God, what we are what we are doing is we're not just making a, a minor mistake. We are creating an we are creating an eternal offense that has eternal implications, and so this is why this is why that also leads so that that should create in us a recognition of okay, I am I am by myself unworthy of God's love and grace and mercy, and so it should make that even more magnificent to us. Um, a second thing is, is that it should, um, it should, in light of that, serve as our motivation for evangelism. So if we know the consequences of sin is death, if we know the consequences is death, how can we not go to all who are, who are, separated from God, all who have a rebellious relationship with him, and instead plead for them to humble themselves and to turn away from their sin and trust in him. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's so important. You know, I've heard of a lot of people who do not believe in, in God when they think of, of death, physical death, and they the way they get to a point of being able to accept it is they say, well, I'm just going to stop existing. I mean, it's, I won't know. Um, one day I'm going to just close my eyes and I'll never open again. I will not exist. So I'll not even know I'm dead. 
And that's kind of how they brace themselves for this mm-hmm. and, and deal with the fear. But we know that is not the case. One day that person will close his eyes and the next thing he knows, he will be in a place of torment apart from God forever. And in that moment, as, as we read in Hebrews, there's no second chance. It's only given to people one chance, one opportunity while we draw breath to repent and trust in Jesus. And after that, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And, and that person then will find out too late the serious, I mean, can't, I can't underscore that word enough, mistake that they have made in reject, continuing in their rejection of Christ. We know this. How unloving, how calloused of us to live indifferently to those around us who are facing that reality in the eyes and not to step in. That's why annihilationism, we have to purge that from our thinking. We Let's not soothe ourselves mm-hmm. in our failures to evangelize with that kind of mindset. No, I mean, when we go out and we're looking at people in the grocery stores, we're looking at family members, friends, neighbors, whatever the case may be, coworkers, whatever the case may be. And we know that they have not trusted in Christ. We're looking at a person who is going to be separated for eternity in suffering. And so let that motivate us. If we have a shred of compassion, a shred of love, let that motivate us uh, to share our faith. So anything else you wanted to kind of drill down on, Aaron? Yeah, there's one other thing that uh, kind of brings brings all of this together. So the the fact that it, that it, that this doctrine should humble us, that it should motivate us to to go and spread the gospel. Um, ultimately, that comes back to the uh, the reality of worship. And so, when we recognize what God has done, when it, we recognize what He promises to do through the gospel for all who for all who would turn and trust in Jesus, um, that should cre- lead us to worship and to be uh, to be filled with gratitude and and love and joy uh, toward God for what he has done in saving us through Christ. Yeah, that's a good word. And, and I think that's a good word to end on, Aaron. Let's, let's call it uh, a podcast episode there. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you do use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. 